It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see the choir. Amen. It is well. It is well with my soul. What a fitting song uh, to use today, a fitting way to begin worship as we talk today about how to reconcile anxiety and reconcile the tension um, that many of us are experiencing right now. Can we just, can we just have a family meeting? I'm going to preach, but can we just have a family meeting slash uh, a sermon as we just talk about this moment of tension in this moment of anxiety. We need to know that it, it, it is indeed well with our souls. I want to preach uh, just for a few minutes uh, today from the subject title, Say So. Say So. Say So. In fact, if you're sitting beside somebody at home, just turn to them, look them dead in the eye and say, Say So. Just say, say so. Call somebody up, text somebody. Just say, say so. Say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them say so. Let them not hold their breath, hold in the goodness, hold in the knowledge that God indeed is good. Let them say so. Those who know that God can do it, and they know it because they've seen what God has already done, let them say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. Text somebody, say, say so. Call somebody, say so. Stop telling me all of the anxieties and the issues and the worries and the what-ifs and, and the concerns. Stop being consumed by stuff that's outside of our control. Instead, we ought to be able to just stand flat-footed and say so. God is good. God is good. God has provided and kept me. God has covered me. God has touched my family and healed us in the past. God has protected us in the past. It is so. God is good. Now, I might not be able to predict what's coming this week, but if I look back, on how God has kept me, watch this, through every other presidency. And I look back how God has protected me and carried me and been with me through every other crisis in my life. What I can be assured of is that regardless of what happens on Tuesday, it is so, God is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm sorry, I was just giving you all my title. I didn't mean to start early. That was just the title. I apologize. The title of the sermon is Say So. I apologize. I apologize. The title of the sermon is Say So. I want to I wanna, I wanna look uh, 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 very critically at that text, uh, Psalm 107, but I want to look at it in conjunction with Psalms 105, 106, and 107. Many theologians believe that, that, these, that these three scriptures, these three uh, texts, Psalms 105, 106, and 107, were written together. And, and they get that because there's a lot of language used in 105 and 106 that's also used in 107. 
Uh, these were written around the same time period to describe and invent the, the, the totality of an event of what God was doing. Psalm 105 was written to talk about, uh, uh, to help us see the exodus. Right. And so it's giving us information around the Exodus, how the children of Israel left uh, Egyptian slavery and spent time in the desert. Psalm 105 is helping us to see the need of leaving that which we are, are in bondage to and being able to trust God even in the desert seasons of our life. Sometimes we get caught up in the slavery and the attachments that we have. Because we have fear over the desert seasons that we know are coming. We get more comfortable in bondage than we are in the desert. And what God is saying is that if you can trust me in the desert, I will release you from all the bondages and attachments that you've been connected to. Psalm 105 helps us see that God is God even in bondage and in the desert. That God has a destiny and a purpose for us that God is taking us beyond what we have been attached to, that God has a purpose and a destiny that we are going to. But we've got to be willing to get rid of the chains and the bondages we are connected to. I don't know who this is for, but there might be a desert season you're walking through right now. Don't turn around and go back to the slavery place that you were attached to. Don't turn around and go back to where it was comfortable. Don't turn around and go back to where you were in bondage but trust God even in your desert season. Psalm 105 helps us understand that. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 106 helps us now look at the children of Israel who, have been, who are being taken into captivity, taken in from the Assyrians and taken in from the Babylonians, taken into captivity. Psalm 106 helps us see what happens when we allow sin to take over our lives. It helps us see that we begin to lose some things, that we no longer have the privilege of standing uh, and, and the assurance and the destiny, standing in the peace that God provides. When we let sin lead us, we will always wind up in exile. Sin is our God and our guide. We will always wind up in exile, always wind up in places that we don't want to be. I heard an old preacher say one time that sin will always take you further than you wanted to go, make you stay longer than you wanted to stay, and make you pay more than you wanted to pay. Right? Right? Every single time you wind up in a space, you wind up in a position that you didn't want to be in, but you're there because of sin. Psalm 106 helps us see how the children of Israel, because they would not listen to God, they would not connect with God. Now they are in captivity. Now the Babylonians have taken them over. The Assyrians have taken them over because of their sin. But God is faithful even in exile. I want you to think back over your lives and the times in which you knew you did wrong. The times in which you knew you deserved every bit of the exile that you were in. Can you look in that place and see that God was still faithful? That God still kept you in your right mind? That God still provided an exit. That God still sent angels to, to give you nudges to come back to his glory and to his peace. Even in your season of exile, God does not leave us in the pig pen. God does not leave us in our muck and our mire. But God is with us even in our challenges. Psalm 106 helps us to see that. 
Psalm, Psalm 105 helps us to look at the exodus and the need for going through our desert season. Psalm 106 helps us to look at exile and, and what happens when sin takes us over. Psalm 107 talks about the victory in Jesus when we trust him. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 107 is about God who has blessed us, God who is with us, a Lord that we can celebrate. But here's the reason why I set it up, because you can't get to 107 unless you have gone through 105 and 106. In order to, to, to give us the stamina, the weight and the authority to talk about the goodness of God, the victory of God, we had to have gone through some stuff. And here is the reality. Sometimes God will send us through a season just so we can see the character of God on the other side. And so God is revealing a piece of his character through the season we are walking in. We're learning some stuff about the character of God, our relationship with God, when we're going through our, our exodus season. There's some stuff about God I didn't know until I got challenged and was out there by myself. There's some stuff about my relationship and my commitment to God that I did not discover until I had to go through some rough challenges in some hard places. And so God will use our exodus experiences and our exile experiences to help shape our understanding of his character and our relationship to him so that we can get to 107 and begin to praise him for fully who he is. Do y'all get that? You can't get to 107 unless, you have, unless you've been through 105 and 106. Your praise got to have some weight. Your worship has to have some weight, has to, has to have gone through a process and he, to, to be able to say, thank you, God. I've had to experience some places where there was some challenge. It was see some pieces of God's character in the place of my victory. And so I'm celebrating a God that kept me. I'm celebrating a God that loved me. I'm celebrating a God who was with me in my exodus, and my exile. And so now I can say so. If you haven't been through some exodus and some exile, you can't say so. But church, beloved, if you've ever lived through some desert seasons, if you've ever lived through some exile seasons where you were being reactive because of the sin that had happened, then, you, that, then that gives you permission and authority to be able in this season to give God glory and say, so the Lord is good. Do y'all hear me? Do y'all hear me? You, 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 you are qualified because you survived. And you survived because God was with you. What qualifies you is not how many scriptures you done memorized. What qualifies you is not how many books you done read or how many YouTube videos of sermons you done watched, your catalog. What qualifies you is not how many online conferences you done gone to. Huh? 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 What qualifies you, what qualifies you is the fact that in your storm, God was with you. 
When the waves hit your boat, when the lightning rained like in, in, in the sky, the Lord was with you. What qualifies you is that long before you got to 107, you had a 105 and a 106. And so here we are, here we are, here we are in 107. And the text says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So the question, the question, the question I had, three, three points and I'm done. But the question I had is, have you been redeemed? Have you been redeemed? Three points, three points, and I'm done. Three points, three points real quick. Point number one, point number one, you are worth it. Turn to somebody in your house, turn to your neighbor, text somebody that you know needs to hear this word. You are worth it. I know we're going through a lot of anxiety and tension about next week, but you need to just let somebody know you are worth it. Point number two, not only are you worth it, point number two, point number two, he already paid it. Point number two, he already paid it. He paid it all. Point number two, he paid it. Point number one, you are worth it. Point number two, he paid it. Point number three, and I'm done. Point number three, God is good. Point number one, you're worth it. Point number two, he paid it. Point number three, God is good. Point number one, point number one. I was, I was reading some stuff the other, the other day, um, 2013. There was a couple who had just bought a house uh, uh, in Southern California. They were in the backyard. They were walking their dog, just kind of letting their dog do his, do, do, do his thing. Um, and while the dog was doing his thing, the dog um, dug, was digging, and ca- came across uh, a, a can that was, that was in the earth. And so the dog, you know, he's picking at the can, couple comes over, discovers that there are 14 cans uh, that, that have been uh, hidden um, uh, in, the back, in their backyard. They dig the cans up. Turns out inside the cans, uh, those 14 cans, were over 1,400 uh, gold coins. The couple takes uh, those gold coins to have them appraised, and what they discover was that what was hidden in their backyard was worth $11 million. Here is the question. Did the coins still have value when they were in the ground? Or did somehow, because the dirt had covered them, Somehow, because dogs had done their business, somehow, because rain had failed, because, well, there ain't no snow in California, but somehow, because the ground had frozen, did did, did they somehow lose their value? Over however many years, they had been left underground. The reality is no, right? Right? If they had lost their value, they would not have been able to be redeemed for a price. But the fact that they still had value, even they were, though, though they were lost, even though they were underground, even though they were without seeing the fact that they still had value meant they had the ability to be redeemed. Oh, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. God redeems us, but it does not mean that we ever lost our value. 
See, what the enemy would have you believe is that because you sinned, because you went through challenges, because you don't have it all together, somehow you have lost your value. Somehow you're not as, you're not as worth as much as you thought you were. Somehow something about you is lesser, but the reality is that you said you have the same value God placed inside of you, and God is simply in his redemption just showing us how much is really in us. Y'all get it? You cannot redeem something that has no value. And so if you have been redeemed, It is because God just simply exposed what was already in you. If you have been redeemed, it's simply because God is just exposing to the world what was already inside of you. Doesn't matter how long you've been buried. Doesn't matter how much has been left left about you. Doesn't matter if you've been lost. Doesn't matter if you've been tucked away. You still have value. Pastor, how do you know? Well, those coins were in the earth since the 1890s. And you telling me that in 2013, those coins that have been buried back in the 1800s are still worth $11 million? How? Because they didn't lose their value. Why? Because they never chose to ascribe their own value. The one who makes us ascribes value. God ascribed his value in us when he made us in his image and placed within us his breath. Your value doesn't come from what you do. Your value comes from the image in which you were made. Because you were made in the image of God, you have value. Because you carry the breath of God, you have value. And so because I can't change the image I was made and I can't change the fire that I carry, then regardless of the circumstances I go through, all God's got to do is dust me off and you're going to see I'm just, as, I'm just as worth as much as I was before as I am now. And so I am redeemed because of the Redeemer has shown the value that I've been carrying. Y'all get it? You, you, you don't control my value. I don't, care, I don't care how many commercials you put up. I don't care how many, how many songs you put up. I don't care what celebrity you have parade in front of the camera. You, 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 you don't control my value. You don't, you don't get to tell me how much I'm worth. Huh? 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 The one that, that made me in his image. The one that breathed into me his, his breath, right? That's the one that gives me my value. So even if you beat me down, even if I have to go away, even if I have to back up for a season, what I know is that when God redeems me, when God redeems me, you're going to see the value that God placed in me. Beloved, you are. You are worth it. You are worth it. In the season of anxiety and tension, we often have a tendency to shrink, to become insular, to to, to close off ourselves, right? Right? Because we're worried about what may happen. We're worried about what's going on. But the reality is if you would just trust God in in this season, what you would discover, what you would discover is that you're worth more than you thought. You're worth more than you thought. You're certainly worth more than what they told you. Huh? 
I don't know who that's for. You better turn to the person beside you in your house and say, you, I don't know if you value me right. <laughs> we need to, we, no, no, don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't want to start nothing at home. <laughs> well, how much do you value me, babe? No, I don't want to start it at home. I don't want to start it at home, Lord Jesus. <laughs> but you need to know that you are worth it. You are worth it because your value comes from God. You cannot redeem that which does not have value. God can redeem us because we never lost our value. We never lost our value. The waves and the winds, the storms that you went through did not take your value. The hurdles and the challenges, the, 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 the seasons of hardship that you had to encounter did not take your value. God only redeems that which contains value. Beloved, you are, you are worth it. That's number one. Number two, number two, not only are you worth it, number two, number two, he paid it. Number two, not only are you worth it, but number two, number two, he paid it. He paid it. He paid it. There, there's a term that, that, that is used there uh, 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 called goel. In the Hebrew, uh, a goel, G-O-E-L, goel. And it represents a kinsman redeemer. Now, what this was in traditional uh, rabbinical tradition and Jewish culture, only a kinsman redeemer could redeem or buy back uh, from someone else uh, 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 either, either the property, uh, you know, the family, or those who were taken to slavery, or anything like that of a loved one. So if you lost something, say, for example, you owed, um, you know, one of the landlords uh, some, some property or some money and, and weren't able to pay and they took your stuff, only a kinsman redeemer could buy back what was taken. Say, say you had a brother who died uh, uh, without having a son. Only a kinsman redeemer could marry his wife, the, 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 the widow, and produce a son. So only someone who was connected, only someone who was a kinsman had the authority to be a redeemer. I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. Not, everybody can't redeem you. Everybody can't buy back. Everybody does not have the authority to walk in your life and redeem or to restore that which was, that which was taken. The only one that has the authority to do such is the kinsman redeemer, the goel, the kinsman redeemer. Well, here's what we learn in Scripture. Jesus helps us understand in Luke, the 11th chapter, uh, uh, who the kinsman is. Jesus says to his disciples in the 11th chapter of Luke, when you pray, pray like this. You, you know what? I, I, I thought I had people for a second. I, I, I was getting ready to say, y'all pray, and I realized it's, it's like three people. Lord Jesus. Okay. I said, so so, so, so here's, what, here's what Jesus said. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Right? Right? Jesus does not say, when you pray, pray my Father. Jesus does not say that when you are to pray, you pray your Father. Instead, what Jesus says in Luke 11, and we often overlook it, but it becomes so critical. Jesus says that when you pray, you pray, our Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus says that when you pray, you pray, our Father. 
And the reason that Jesus does that is because what happens is when we accept God and Jesus as our personal Savior, we are engrafted into the family of God. We are engrafted through baptism and, and through, and through the, the, the rituals of communion into the family of Jesus Christ. And so, because we are engrafted into, into the family of God, because we are adopted into heaven's, heaven's family, because, because we have done that, Jesus becomes our kinsman. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because we are engrafted into the family of God through our faith and through his sacrifice, Jesus becomes our kinsman. Take Luke 11. Jesus says, our father. Our father means you're part of my family. If you're part of my family, that means I'm kin to you. Right? Now go from Luke 11 to John 3. John 3 says that for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world. Right? And so Jesus shows us in Luke 11 that we're kin, we're family. God shows us in John 3 that he's sending the kinsman redeemer to redeem us because he has authority. The kinsman redeemer is Jesus Christ. The one that has the authority to redeem us is none other than the Lord. Nobody else. I want you to get this because what happens is if we're leaning on somebody else to redeem us, if we're leaning on somebody else to ascribe our value, if we're leaning on a system to give us value, if we're waiting on the Republicans or the Democrats, we're waiting on, on, on this group or that group to tell us our worth, we will miss the fact that our value comes from God and the only one who can redeem us is Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up in groups. Don't get caught up and those who try to tell you what you're worth. Don't get caught up in waiting on somebody else to fix you and put you back in alignment, the only one who can redeem us is the kinsman redeemer, and his name is Jesus Christ. Y'all got me sweating. Y'all got me sweating. The only one, the only one who can do it is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. Number one, number one, number one, you are worth it. You are worth it. Huh? You cannot redeem that which has no value. And so if God is telling us that we are redeemed, it means that we never lost our value. You have always been worth it. Number two, not only have you always been worth it, but number two, number two, he's already paid it. The only one that has the authority to redeem us is the kinsman redeemer. And the only kinsman redeemer is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ himself. Huh? Can't no other group save you. Can't no other group keep you. Can't no other group define your value or define who you are. You have already been redeemed by who he who already came and gave his life on the cross for you, who shed his blood, the patcho lamb. You have been redeemed by the kinsman redeemer, none other than Jesus Christ. Number one, number one, you're worth it. Number two, Number two, number two, he paid it. And number three, and I'm done. And I'm done. He's good. Tell, 
Tell, tell somebody you're sitting by, text somebody. If you don't know nothing else in this season, you need to know that God is, God is good. God is good. God is, God is good. Psalm, Psalm 107 talks about the challenges that Israel faced on their journey back from Babylon and back from Assyria, back to the promised land, this inhabited place, back to Jerusalem. It talks about how that journey of going uh, from exile back to the promise, how there was hunger and thirst among those who were there. It talks about how uh, 107 talks about the enemies that stood watching as those who were called by God, those who had been redeemed by God, simply walked out of slavery into their freedom. It talks about how even in the walk, though there was hunger and though there was thirst, how God provided even in that season. It talks about in 107 that we can trust God even in our hunger. We can trust God even when we're thirsty. We can trust God in our uncertainty. We can trust God in our anxiety. We can trust God in our worry because he has never left us nor forsaken us, but he's always shown us his loving kindness. Psalm 107 introduces us to this word over and over again, God's loving kindness. That word loving kindness is his said in the Hebrew. It simply means love in action. Love in action, love willing to sacrifice, love willing to put itself on the line, love willing to get dirty and in the mud with you, a love that isn't just simply stagnant, but a love that is moving. God shows us his loving kindness by being with us in the middle of our crisis, being with us in the middle of our storms, being with us in the middle of our hunger and our thirst and providing for us. That's the God you serve. You serve a God that is good in season and out of season. You, 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 you serve a God that is good in your anxieties and your worries and in your joy and your peace. You, you serve a God that is good in exile and in your promise. You serve a God that is good in your exodus and in your destiny. You serve a God that is good when the crash happens and when the celebration comes. You serve a God that is good all the time. Psalm 107 helps us to see that his loving kindness, his love in action, his love that is sacrificial never goes away. But instead, God is with us all the time. And so, because we take with us his loving kindness. Because we take with us his glory, because his love is always acting on our behalf, is always moving on our behalf, is always sacrificing on our behalf. Because we walk with that loving kindness, even in our hunger and our thirst, what the text tells us is that we ought to be able to say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If, if, if you recognize that you are worth it, that only God can ascribe your value, you ought to be able to say so. If you recognize that he already paid it, that the kinsman redeemer took care of the price because he has the authority, you ought to be able to say so. And if you recognize that God 
is indeed good all the time, then you ought to be able to say so. Church, this is a season. This is a season. This, this next week is a moment of opportunity for you to say so. It is a moment of opportunity for you who have been redeemed to stand flat-footed and declare that God is good. I know, I know the news media and the waves and uh, uh, the winds are going to come and they're going to try to get you to, to curtail to their narrative. They're going to try to get you to be consumed uh, about, by what they have to say and, and, and try to set fear as your mandate and your God. I know, I know they are already at the gates of your home and at the gates of your hearts and your minds uh, trying to lead you down a path of worry and tension. But I challenge you in this season to stand flat-footed and remember that you have been redeemed. And that because you have been redeemed, you ought to be able to say so. I challenge you in this season that regardless of what happens in the weeks to come, that your position is clear. Regardless of, of what's to come in the next couple of weeks, your position is clear. You have been recalled as the redeemed to say so. You have been called. As one who went through 105 and 106, one who went through exodus and exile, one who has seen God show up in your exodus and show up in your exile, you have been called by your challenges to stand flat-footed in this season of hunger and thirst and to say so. God is indeed good. Watch this. On Tuesday, God's going to be good. On Wednesday, God's going to be good. On Thursday, he's still good. Come Friday, God's going to be good. Saturday, he good. Sunday, he good. I, don't, I know the weeks might change, but that formula stays the same. He's good every single day. And I know it, I know what Bishop told me because I looked back on the week that came last week. And he was good to me there. I look back on last Monday and Tuesday, and he was good to me then. I look back on months previous and months past, and I discover that he's been good all along. And if he's been that good, I know that God can be good right now. And so what I'm going to do, and what I'm asking you to do as a church family, as members and family and friends of Camphor Memorial United Methodist Church, 585 Fuller Avenue, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55103. What I'm asking you to do is to remember that you have been redeemed and in this season to say so. On the night before he was to be crucified, Jesus gathered his disciples one last time at the table. Now, 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 if he had been consumed by worry and anxiety, if he had been so caught up on the crucifixion that was to come, he might would have been silent that night. 
But instead, because he was so sure that God is still God, because he was so sure that God has a plan for us and a purpose for us, there he gathered his disciples and he pulled out the bread. And he said, this is my body which has been broken for you and for me. Take, eat in remembrance of me. That word remember means to look back on the relationship we've had, to look back on the character that I have displayed in front of you. That word remember means to check back on what you have seen of me. God says, take, eat in remembrance of me. And remember my character. Remember what I taught you. Remember what I showed you. I showed you how to handle the snakes and the snares. I showed you how to trample those that come. I showed you how to protect yourself against the arrows by day and the pestilence by night. Remember me, says the Lord. Likewise, he took the wine. And he said, this is my blood which has been poured out for you and for me. Take drink in remembrance of me. Again, Christ is inviting us to look back. Christ is inviting us to remember all the many different ways in which he has been with us, all the many different ways in which we have been redeemed. Don't get caught up on the crucifixions of tomorrow, but remember the goodness that you have seen and the blessedness of today. And so on that night, if you got your bread, get your bread. Take, eat. Remember, Mr. Vim. You got your wine, get your wine. Or juice or water. Take, drink. Remember, of Vim. And I remind you of the prayer that he taught us to pray. In Luke 11, I point to those first two words because it was a promise that he would be our kinsman, redeemer. Those first two words of his prayer were a promise that he had been given authority to redeem us from sin, hell, and the grave. And so I'd like for us to just pray those, to pray that prayer in remembrance of our kinsman redeemer who has given us worth and redeemed us from hell, grave, and from sin. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, God, this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our temptations and trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. But instead, God, deliver us from evil. God, you are mighty. You are worthy. You are holy. You are good. 
and you are good all the time. You are a redeemer. You are great. You are, you are magnificent. For God, there is none like you in all the earth. Lord, there is none that can compare to your worth. God, you are amazing. And we have seen you do miracles after miracles and wonders after wonders and signs after signs. And so for that, God, we say thank you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, beloved, as you walk into this week, I just want you to remember that you have been redeemed by God and that because you have been redeemed by God, your kinsman redeemer, then your responsibility and your role in this season is to say so. It's to say so. Don't be taken by the winds and the waves. But in this season, in this week that is coming, Remember who redeemed you and say so. Listen, I love you. I thank God for you. I look forward to seeing you Thursday for Bible study and then right back here Sunday morning for worship. God bless you. I'll be praying for you this week, and we'll see you on Thursday. Amen.